Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Lord Christ. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. This way. There you go. Thank you. Before you sit down, I want to do something a little different. I would like those of you who are veterans to remain standing, and those of you who aren't, to please sit down. We thank you for your service. You will note later in the prayers of the people, we will have two petitions that are particularly for the veterans. The first is to remember those who still suffer body, mind, soul, or spirit because of their wounds and various, uh, through their duty in the armed services. So we'll be praying for their healing. We also will be praying a prayer of thanksgiving that we offer to God for um, those who are, have, uh, have served. Um, excuse me. Just. The parish where I was uh, rector for 13 years had a great many veterans. And so we um, always, every Veterans Weekend, did... Um, a whole lot of things to celebrate. And um, so I just want to celebrate in a small way with you all and let all of you know that we are grateful for your service and how much it means to us. Um, at various times um, in my life, 
especially after someone close to me has died, I would start thinking about life after death. I like the idea that there might be something like a guardian angel up there whose charge is just me. That would be wonderful. And if not just me, then just a few other people in the family, you know. <laughs> Someone watching out for me. I would like to think that this person would be a bit more observant, perhaps, or at least personal, than God. After all, I would think, God has to look out after everyone, everywhere, forever and ever. That's got to be a whole lot of people, don't you think? <laughs> but if, say, my daddy, when this happened after my dad died, when I was in my adulthood, but it was still a fairly young woman, if my daddy were up in heaven looking down on me, wouldn't, he wouldn't have too many other people that he had to look for in the family. So don't you think he would really care and really be looking out for me? Then one day I thought, if Daddy is my guardian angel, does that mean he knows everything about me? <laughs> everything that happens to me? Everything I think about? Uh, sort of the ancient 70 versions of a personal current day Alexa? <laughs> always waiting, always on guard, always ready always aware. I got to tell you, the idea of my daddy knowing everything I thought and did shook me to the core. <laughs> I was at this point, as I said, a grown woman, a mother, a teacher, a wife. Well, I was a lot of things. And some went well, some went well and some didn't. Maybe it would be possible, if I think about this enough and consider all the angles, maybe it would be possible that I could figure out how Daddy would just know when I was in trouble. And he would somehow or other be ready right then to come and get me out of whatever mess I'd gotten myself into. You see where I'm going with this, don't you? I like the idea of Papa G, Daddy, being there to take care of me from his heavenly vantage point, but not the idea of his knowing all my ups and downs. Somehow that seemed unfair. Did he have to go through that every time I had a fuss with somebody or one of my children didn't behave? Did my father have to get pulled into that? He was supposed to be in heaven with God, in paradise. So I had to begin rethinking this whole idea. Through the years, in fact, I've revisited thoughts about this, certainly after my husband died. And I have to tell you that my current conclusions are muddled. That's part of theology. It's a muddling busy, it's a messy business. But I do believe that my husband, my late husband Archer, is good, he's in a good place. I believe that God loves him, that's in the present tense. I believe that he is alive in Christ. 
And certainly part of me, if not more than part, maybe most of me, hopes I have a chance to see him again. Never got to say goodbye on this side. Wouldn't be bad to be able to say goodbye some other time. So I came to this gospel lesson both intrigued and confused. And I wasn't confused about the first part because I knew enough about the Jewish law to understand this whole concept that at the time there was a group, in, uh, a subgroup within the Jewish faith that if a brother died, childless, that was the important part, childless, then the woman was to marry the next in line, the next brother, so that if she, when she had children, they would carry the name of her first husband. So that whatever property, money was to come to him, would go to the next brother. It would stay in the family. That's not to say that they were not also concerned about the welfare of the woman, but it was all bundled up together. The other part of this gospel from Luke that is confusing to me is, I've been in this business now, what, 35, 8 years, something. I can never remember preaching on this gospel. That is just absolutely weird. I have checked out my colander brain for all week. <laughs> and I just can't remember it. Well... I think in order to get into this, the first thing we have to do, or now the next thing we have to do, is to sort of put it in context. When did this happen in the gospel? That's important. At least I think it's important. This question that was posed to him by the Sadducees came after the triumphant entry, what we know or we call Palm Sunday. He'd already come in to Jerusalem. He was being questioned, not just by the Sadducees. He was also being questioned by the scribes and the Pharisees. They were looking to trip him up. He was getting to be a danger. He was not just teaching his disciples. He was going to the temple and he was teaching there as he had before, but the things he was saying there, well, some people would have said he had become radicalized. And I'll explain that in just a moment. He says in the temple to the people there, the religious, the re people of the religion, I mean, religious rites, and the common ordinary folk, this is what he says. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. Well, when the scribes and the chief priests realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to lay hands on him right then. At that very hour, 
but they were afraid of the people because the people that heard Jesus did not react the same way as the religious did. So they watched Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees, they watched Jesus, and they sent spies who pretended to be honest in order to trap him by what he said so as to hand him over to the jurisdiction and authority of the governor. You probably remember that period of time. It's that time uh, frame, and after buttering him up, the spies asked him by buttering up, I mean, oh, good teacher. Oh, they were just, you know, flattering him all over the place. And then they just put in this little quick one. Is it lawful for us to pay <coughs> taxes to the emperor or not? Seems like a simple question. Jesus realized it wasn't a simple question. And he didn't really engage them. He simply and quickly gave, said, give to the emperor what is the emperor's and give to God what is, the God, what is God's. And he moved on. He didn't get trapped by that question. Nobody in the, the people said nothing. They became silent. Next, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, got their turn to go after Jesus and to try to entrap him. They're about to outdo themselves, though, I think. Maybe the story of the seven brothers and one woman and not, no child born to any of them is just, can we say, a bit over the top? But nevertheless, that's what was put before Jesus. But this time, he didn't just come out with a one-sentence answer. This time, he engaged the Sadducees. And one of the important things that we need to remember about the Sadducees is their Bible uh, is only the first five chapters of the Bible. That's all they believed in, the first five. Jesus on his way, on the last, in the last week or so of his life, having come in on the donkey, having had this experience coming into Jerusalem, knowing that he's facing down something that's going to make a difference, not willing to cower and hide, he's going to go the distance. That's where he is. It's serious time. It's really serious time. So like I said, he doesn't answer them with some clever statement. He engaged the Sadducees about life after death. Seeing as how he's so near to the end of his earthly ministry, somehow this fact reaches out and seems to grab us. If he is willing to take this much energy, this much time to focus to these people on this question, not bat it off, it seems to me like we need to hear what he has to say. We who are alive now, we marry 
and are given in marriage. But those who are in that age, the age of the resurrection from the dead, neither marry or are given in marriage. They cannot die anymore. They are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. They are like angels, children of God. The Sadducees wanted to show up Jesus for the ridiculous idea of a resurrection, which I said they don't believe in. Jesus, in his last days on earth, wanted to offer them another view, to show them through his thought process, his understanding of Scripture, how he believed it was to be. Life isn't the same, Jesus says. It's not earth moved to some other place and everybody just is a little bit changed and it's all the same. It's not like that. It's not just another zone. It's a new existence where there is no more death. Jesus engages the Sadducees out of their own part of the Bible. He doesn't tell them of the story about his transfiguration and what he saw there and what that means. He didn't go there because they wouldn't have cared and they wouldn't have listened. It was not their interest. But they staked their belief and their life on those first five books of the Bible and Jesus went right there to the very heart of what they believed to offer them this. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then he says, and think about this, that's what Moses said, is the God of. Jesus says, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, of the living. And then these beautiful words that are sitting there in Luke for us to read and feel and take into ourselves, for to him all of them are alive. To our God, all of the people who have died on earth, to him are alive. That's out of the mouth of God's son. His own son on his way to his death. He takes the time to let us hear that. For to him, God, all are alive. It's no wonder in the verse that comes right after what we read this morning the scribe's only response could be, Teacher, you have spoken well. They no longer dared to ask him another question. And it would be in short order, 
when no more questions would be asked. It was nearly Passover. Time was nearly over for the teacher to teach on this earth in his earthly form. So what can we take from this? We're not Sadducees. Although I have to admit, I wouldn't mind asking Jesus a few questions about heaven. But it was important to Jesus to tell those who did not believe in resurrection that he believed differently. Jesus knew God to be the God of the living. Then by the words of Moses, he declares Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were alive as far as God is concerned. Do you see that this is gift? That if we read this as the Christians today, in this time, we don't know all the details. We'll never know the details of what happens after we die until we're dead. We don't know what goes on or or what it's like or how it feels or smells or tastes. We don't know any of that. But look what we've been told. What we have is a promise. A promise that after we die, we will still be children of God. After we die, we will still be children of God. I don't know about you, but I have to take that as pretty good news. And I seem to think maybe what Jesus wants us to do as best we can is to let go of some of the worry. Let go of some of the who will so-and-so and will I or won't I and will that person I can't stand be there? And what am I going to do? And all the kind of things that go through our minds. Would it be okay, maybe just for today or maybe for a while, if we could just take the words Jesus offered and feel good about those? That our loving God has a plan. He has a plan now, and he has a plan for the age to come. We are with God no matter where we are, what our state is. We have been told from the lips of our Savior, we are the children of God now and forever. Thanks be to God. Amen.